Welcome to Wisdom and the Word Podcast, the show that not only answers your questions from God's Word, but equips believers with the foundational truths for their faith. We're excited that you've taken time to join us and hope that today's content is valuable to you. In today's episode, Pastor Wiley continues his study through the book of Hebrews. Welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Wisdom and the Word. We're glad that you're joining us today. We're looking forward to studying the Bible together in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. Uh, we want to encourage you to find uh, your scriptures, find the Bible, and turn it over there with us. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the next five verses here today in this particular section, some real uh, helpful things here in Hebrews, chapter number 10. Maybe some of the most difficult things that we've studied. When we studied Hebrews 6, that was difficult. This is equally as daunting. And uh, we're going to try and uh, move through it fairly quickly. Uh, Just a reminder on some of the things that are happening, of course, uh, here this week, we're getting back to more of a normal schedule. On Wednesday night, we have a missionary. I'm looking forward to uh, being able to hear what the Lord is uh, doing uh, with our um, with Stetson Plank uh, as a missionary to Italy. He'll be with us on Wednesday night. And then also just a reminder on Saturation Saturday, 10 o'clock on Saturday, we'll be here and we'll be going out in the community uh, sharing the gospel with others. And so we hope that you'll be a part of that with us as we go out. Uh, several things that we're continuing to uh, pray for, folks that are having different procedures that we'll keep you updated on, as well as uh, folks that are sick and those that have had loss. And so we want you to be praying for all of them. Well, we're going to take just a brief break here um, in our um, in our study uh, to get the audio started for the actual podcast version. Uh, Again, we're going to be in Hebrews 10 here in just a second, so uh, feel free to grab your Bibles and have it open to that section. Welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Wisdom in the Word. We're glad that you're joining us today on our Tune-Up Tuesday. And in our Tune-Up Tuesday broadcast, we are studying through the book of Hebrews, getting a little bit of a a tune-up here spiritually, trying to understand the Word of God, apply it to our lives, and we are studying through the book of Hebrews. Today, we're in Hebrews chapter number 10, and we'll be reading beginning in verse 26 down through verse number 31. Hebrews 10, verses 26 to 31. The Bible says, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much more sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant where with he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In this particular section, as the writer comes out of uh, this uh, previous section where he's been talking about the importance of this new and living way, this open door that we have, uh, he then comes to a warning section, another major warning. Warning, the most severe warning since we've seen since chapter 6, uh, verses 4 to 6, as he gives the warning there, a very similar type of warning as we see and compare the two passages in verses 26 to 31. And, and he's giving a warning 
concerning the matter of this new and living way, this new and living opportunity to be able to come into the presence of God, he's giving a, a warning about rejecting that way, rejecting that that covenant, rejecting that uh, particular opportunity to be able to enter into the presence of God. Now, remember uh, the focus of the book of Hebrews. Uh, the focus here is to help a group of people who are under the old covenant come underneath the new covenant. That is, the Jewish people have uh, categorically uh, over and over again rejected the word of God, rejected Christ. Jesus came unto his own, his own received him not. And so remember, we cannot remove this from the, the context of Hebrews, Jewish people who are, are struggling to be able to come to faith in Christ after being so long under a, under a works-based covenant. And now they're coming under a, a faith-based covenant where they must believe uh, and not just do, but they must believe in Jesus as the Redeemer, as the Messiah. And so it's a difficult thing for them. Some of them are approaching the matter of grace and approaching the matter of, of receiving the Word of God, and they are having difficulty staying. They they find themselves returning. And so the concept of returning or this apostasy, this falling away and returning back to the old covenant is a grave warning that the writer of Hebrews is going to give us here. Now, I think that perhaps the most difficult thing about this passage and others is determining whether we're talking about the loss of salvation, are we talking about saved people, unsaved people? I believe that as we study Hebrews chapter number six, I think we can say that we're talking about unsaved people, even though there's some very specific language that's used here. In this text, it presents to us an even more of a quandary, a, a difficulty, because of the way that he says, and I think perhaps maybe one particular phrase is more uh, difficult than others. As we look in verse number 29, when he talks about that they have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing. That is the thing that sanctifies the person who believes when they trod that underfoot and they walk away from it. So uh, we're going to approach this again from the matter. I think we can say firmly from the word of God that there is no way that you can forfeit your salvation, that you are secure and kept by the the power of God. Um, you did not, that which you did not receive uh, by your works, you cannot lose by your works. And so I think it's, I think that's a clear teaching in the scriptures. So what we're dealing with here is a group of people who are saved and who have willfully chosen to walk away and will stand before God in judgment, uh, that they won't be able to escape judgment, or a group of people who are uh, assuring the fact, or they are testifying of the facts, the, the fact that they were not genuinely saved when they walk away from the faith, this apostasy that's going on. Scholars struggle, preachers struggle. We all struggle with passages of scripture like this. And uh, perhaps even verse number 29 may be best understood within the framework of um, someone who is is uh, is a hypothetical type of situation. That is, uh, hypothetically, we're talking about uh, someone who, uh, if 
if it were possible for them to be able to do this, or hypothetically, if someone walks away, because there's no indication that the writer is talking about someone that they know who has done this or someone who has committed this sin. And so as in Hebrews 6, there is an hypothetical aspect to this uh, that very well may come into play. Now, this particular section I have entitled, You Should Know Better. You should know better because that's really the the concept of all the things that he's been teaching. He's been teaching them up through here about the sacrifices and about the tabernacle and about the shadows. And he's been telling them about the priesthood and the sacrifices. And every time he does that, he lifts up Christ, he exalts Christ and says, Christ is better. And with this knowledge of the fact that Christ is our, our better high priest, Christ is a better priesthood, that Christ is uh, the fulfillment of the shadow of the Old Testament, that those things were unable to cleanse our consciences. All the things that he's been telling us up to this point, it seems to be leading to this warning that uh, if all these things are true and you have this information in hand, then you should know better than to walk away from the gospel and to walk away from this new covenant. And I think that's really the sternness of the warning is just to be careful and express caution as we go through that we do not walk away and that these Jews that he's writing to do not return to the old covenant, to that they stay in the new covenant. Let's uh, kind of dissect this a little bit here today. Let's begin in verse number 26. I want you to see first off in verse 26, a deliberate sin, a deliberate sin. For if we sin willfully, now this concept of willfully is deliberate, and it kind of goes back to numbers. If you go back to numbers 15, verses 22 to 31, you find that in the old Testament, in the old covenant, there was no sacrifice for sins that will will that were willfully or deliberately committed that is the sins that were covered were sins that were not sins of the will. They were inadvertent sins. They were sins that uh, we did unknowingly or maybe ignorantly, and those sins can be forgiven. But if we make a cognizant choice to be able to sin in the Old Testament, there's no more sacrifice for sin. That is, you sin with full knowledge of what the truth is. And that seems to be what the concept here is. And you notice what he says in verse 26, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. That is, how can you ignore what the truth is after I've laid out this case, this, this very ironclad, iron, uh, just very tight, uh, airtight case of the supremacy of Christ and of his being a better priest and better sacrifice. How is, how is it possible that you could, could, could have this information and then still deliberately turn and walk away? You'll notice he says, for if we sin willfully after that, we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. That is, if you know about Christ and you know that Christ is the sacrifice for sins, and you deliberately walk away, there's no other way to come in. Now, remember, he's been talking about the new and living way. There's no other way to go than through the new and living way, which Christ has provided. And so when you reject Christ's way, when you reject with full knowledge the Christ that is better, when you reject him as high priest, when you reject him as the sacrifice, as the fulfillment of the shadow, how else are you going to get in? There's simply no other way for you to be able to get in to see God. And again, this is an exclusive statement. Jesus made uh, these mutually exclusive statements throughout the time that he was here. Uh, he would say that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He was very clear about that. 
And I think that that's the, the, the emphasis here of the writer of the book of Hebrews, that there's no other way in. You reject this way. There's no other way for you to be able to get in. Now, you'll notice in verse number 27, he leads leads into the thought here in verse number 27 that there is something that's coming, but it's not an entry into the presence of God. That is, in verse 27, he talks about a definite scrutiny, a definite scrutiny. There is definitely something coming, but it's certainly not what you hope to achieve. You'll notice in verse 27, he says, but a, a fearful, he says, a fearful, certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. You'll notice he says, a certain fearful looking for a fire of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. That is, the same judgment which shall devour God's adversaries will uh, turn around and be aimed at the child of God or be aimed at the apostate. Um, and again, depending on whether we're talking about those that have genuinely believed here or not, or those who have not, that is... And, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I, I wrestle, I have wrestled with this passage and wrestled with this section uh, simply because of the language that's being used. And I'm trying to keep it in my mind, a Jewish context, but it's hard to divorce myself from all the other things that I know about the scriptures, about the New Testament. And I read uh, other commentaries and I read them talking about how the child of God, it may be in view here. And then I read other commentaries that say we're talking about unsaved people here. What we do know for certain is that for those that choose after knowing the truth to willfully and deliberately walk away, there is a definite scrutiny coming. Now, the language that's being used, judgment, fiery indignation, fiery indignation deals with, with purification. It deals with, with, with God looking upon it, which is one of the reasons why when we look at this passage, we might even say we're had to be dealing with unsaved people because uh, the uns, but saved people are, are not appointed to wrath. We are we are saved and rescued from the wrath of God. And when you look at verse number 27, it seems to indicate, but very well, some would say he's talking about the same judgment. He's talking about the same indignation that God possesses towards the wicked. He turns and he gives towards those who have walked away from their faith here in verse number 27, who have deliberately walked away. And then he gives an example here. You'll notice in verse number 28, he talks about he talks about a despised statute, a despised statute. Notice he moves from there into verse twenty eight. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. That is, he's going to use the law of God, which again is the opposing issue here. They're either under the law of Moses or they're under the law of Christ. You're either under the old covenant or under the new covenant. And you'll notice he says that the person that despised Moses law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. And that is, that was the statute in the Old Testament. That is, if you despised and you rejected the law, you died without the mercy of God being extended to you and you died under the, the mouth of, of two or three witnesses. That was very clearly established in the Old Testament law, that if you rejected the mercy that was available through that covenant, then there was no other mercy to be found. And so that's what he's saying here, that this there's no more sacrifice for sin. There's no other way to be able to receive the mercy of God than through the person of Jesus Christ. 
And then in verse 29, he talks about a disgraceful sequence, a disgraceful sequence. And he gives a sequence here in verse 29 of the things that they, that the person who has willfully rejected the truth and walked away from God, the things that that person is guilty of. Notice he says, if that happened with Moses in verse 28, of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy? And then he's going to basically say, if that person didn't escape, under the law of Moses, that person didn't get out. And we're talking about the thing that shadowed Christ, the thing that was lesser than Christ. And now we're under the better covenant, the newer covenant, the one where Christ has come and he's died for the sins of the world. If, if that's the way that they died, then certainly we should expect that there is a punishment coming for those that have rejected Christ and rejected the way that he has died. Notice he says, of how much sore punishment, suppose he shall be he thought worthy. Notice, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God. That is, the thought here is that you have taken the very Son of God who has been given and you have rejected Him and rejected His sacrifice and rejected the testimony of Scripture and rejected the fact that He's the high priest and the sacrifice once for all. You've rejected that in totality. That is, you you simply have just simply said, that's this simply is, is not the case. It's not truth. And again, verse 29 almost makes you think that you're dealing with, again, unsaved people, which is, again, where I lean uh, with this whole thing, uh, because because these people have walked away from the truth. That is, it's almost like they've tasted in Hebrews 6. They've tasted the heavenly gift. They, they've seen, they, they've experienced in the church the work of the Holy Spirit. They've seen God at work. Uh, they know that they can be sanctified and cleansed from their sin through the blood of Christ, and yet they've turned and categorically turned to walk away. He says, you've trodden underfoot the Son of God. Notice he said, secondly, hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and holy thing. That is, the only thing that can cleanse you You've looked at it, and the concept of unholy is it's pro, it's profane. You've looked at it, and you've said it's not. There's no nothing special about the blood of Christ. Nothing special about what was done at Calvary. There's nothing special about Jesus shedding His blood. You've trodden underfoot the Son of God. Counted the blood of the covenant an unholy thing. What a what a terrible, terrible thing to be able to say about the blood of Christ and what was going, what 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 had been done for you. And then thirdly, hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. That is, you've rejected, not only rejected, but you've despitefully used him. You have, you have looked at and, and you have spurned his advances and you have uh, offended him and violated him on purpose, purposely violated him. He says, hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. I mean, the only way that you can receive grace is through the spirit of God, which will grant it at the moment of our faith and belief. And you've turned in, in, in despising to him. And so there is a, a great, a great tragedy that's taking place in these people's lives. They've heard the truth. They know the truth. They've perhaps maybe experienced the effects of the truth. They've seen the evidence of it. And yet they've turned to walk away from it. You'll notice in verses 30 and 31, lastly, we find a dangerous sovereign, a dangerous sovereign. He's going to tell us in these verses that God does not overlook and God does not take lightly the work of the Son of God. Jesus' work was a specific work. Jesus' work was an amazing work. Jesus' work was the only work that was sufficient for our salvation. You'll notice in verse 30, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. He says here, it's very clear, we know who said this. 
We know who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, I will recompense. We know who that was. We, we know his reputation. We've seen what he has done. We've seen how he has, has, has dealt with his people who have rejected him and spurned the prophets. We've seen how he has dealt with those who rejected the messengers that he has sent. How he allowed them to be sold into slavery and allowed them to be in captivity and used other surrounding nations to be able to lord over them. If, if, if the individual under the Mosaic Covenant didn't escape, then how much sore is the punishment for the person who will not escape underneath the matter of, of the new covenant? And in verse number 30, we know we, the reason why we say this is because we know his reputation. We know who he is. In verse number 31, he concludes with, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think all of us need to stop and, and take inventory in our spiritual lives. While we may not walk away from the grace of God and we may not return to an old covenant and we may not have anywhere else to go, I think we need to look and evaluate every day as to how we treat the work of Jesus Christ in the way that we live, in the way that we behave, perhaps maybe not in what we believe and verse doing all the things of verse number 29, but we need to stop and evaluate how we treat the precious blood of Christ, how we treat the work of Christ, that we don't look at it too casually, that we don't look at it too flippantly, because I believe that would be a, 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 a um, that would be a, a difficult thing to be able to justify when you stand before God, when you talk to him, or a difficult thing to understand in regards to the spirit of God and his gentle leading in our lives. And so this particular section is a is a warning, much like Hebrews 6, 4 to 6. Once again, I'll, I'll say to you, I do not believe that we as believers can lose our salvation. I believe this is dealing with some very, very specific things that are going on amongst the Hebrew people and their difficulty in transitioning between the old covenant and the new covenant. But there's some very, very clear warning here that I think need to be heeded. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Tune Up Tuesday. I appreciate you taking the time to be able to spend time in the Word of God, studying the Bible with us. Next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up in verse number 32 and look on down through the passage as we take this in small bite-sized chunks. I hope that you have any questions for a Thoughtful Thursday. You'll submit them to us so that we can answer those in the order in which they have been given and received. Uh, we do appreciate those of you who are listening and taking time to visit us here on this podcast. We hope it is spiritually beneficial official to you. May God bless you as you continue on in your day and in your week, wherever you're at. May you honor the Lord with your life and your actions. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday here at Wisdom and the Word. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wisdom and the Word podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show on your favorite podcast app and sharing something you've learned on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next time on Wisdom and the Word.